0: You're listening to the Teens Need Grace podcast, where youth pastor Evan Magelson equips parents with how to apply the gospel to raising teenagers. We take time to answer your questions, interview the experts, and hopefully give you a laugh along the way. Here's Pastor Evan.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Teens Need Grace podcast. I am so excited to have one of my good friends on the podcast with me today. This is Dr. Kevin Carson. He is a pastor, an author, and a counselor, and a pretty cool uh, husband and dad. And uh, I've loved getting to know Kevin over several years. Kevin, welcome to the podcast, man. Oh,
0: it's good to be with you. Thanks for the invite, Evan.
1: Yeah, I'm so psyched uh, for today's um, podcast. And so uh, before we begin, I always like to do this Um before we, we get into some real meaty stuff, I like to ask every person I interview if they're willing to share a funny and or embarrassing story of themselves when they were a teenager, right? Because teens need grace, and so it's, it's always good to remember that we were once teenagers, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, you know, the, the thing that I have was just reminded of this week, uh, I used to do a skit with my brothers when I was a teenager at a public high school. And we would do a Bing Crosby, Andrew sister skit. And so all of us would dress uh, as the Andrew sisters and uh, our youth pastor would be Bing Crosby. And so we would lip sync uh, his, his song sisters. Oh, yes. uh, (laughs) It was quite the show.
1: That's amazing. Uh, Our, our, our Christian school just did that, just did that musical last winter. And uh, that's hilarious. That's, is there yeah. any video of this by chance? There,
0: I, uh, no, no. Think how old I am. No, no, <laughs> uh, I think there's a picture or two that still shows up occasionally on social media.
1: Mm, we might need to find that somewhere. <clears throat>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was funny. It was a, it was a fun time. And it's, uh, it's just a good reminder, right? I think uh, when I was young, our relationship with our youth pastor was a pretty significant deal even even though we were initially part of a private school, but then transitioned to public school for the last six years and and that was a big deal.
1: Mm. yeah. what was it about your youth pastor that you enjoyed so much?
0: Probably his availability. Mm. Sure. Uh, he would include us. He would usually include us anytime anywhere. Uh, we spent a lot of afternoons. Uh, we might go to the church, we might play basketball. Uh, for a few minutes and then do something at the church, do some kind of project, or if he wanted to go visit people, uh, we might all load up in the van and go visit people. You just never knew what he was going to do with us. We just showed up and did it, uh, entertained ourselves or would engage him.
1: It seems like youth pastors really haven't changed over the years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big, that's a big deal. Availability is probably the biggest ability. I think is what a lot of people talk about.
1: That's great. That's really good. So tell us a, tell tell some of our listeners a little bit about you. I know I get I just gave you a, a really brief intro, but tell us a little bit about yourself and what you like to do for fun.
0: Oh, for fun? Well, for fun, I like to hunt and fish and and coach now. Coach sports. Uh, I used to like to play sports, but now I primarily coach them for my own kids or attend sporting events. Uh, one of the fun parts that I got to do over the last many years is called basketball on the radio. Mm. Uh, That's just a, that's just a fun hobby. I don't get to do it as much as I used to uh, because life is busy, but, but it is fun. Uh, Just finished last Saturday, my last game of the season for football this year. Uh, So I coach uh, fourth grade this year and, and we're just working through with our youngest son. So just fun stuff. Good uh good opportunities to be around people and or outside and appreciating what God has given us
1: nice that's awesome man you already got a bunch of dads whose ears just perked up when you said sport the word sports and hunting so
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and fishing right you can't yes. hey, you're you're in Colorado you can't beat the fishing there
1: no it is wonderful i love it out here it's so great is there a lot of fishing in in Ozark Missouri
0: Oh, absolutely. Right. We have the White River Chain. So we have four lakes uh, that within just a few minutes drive of here, of course, where I passed are in Ozark. We're about 20 minutes north of Table Rock Lake um, and Como, which is uh, another lake. So if you want trout and you want a cold lake, you go to Como. If you want big lake, uh, bass and those kinds of things, you go to Table Rock. But yeah, there's fishing year-round here.
1: That's wonderful. So today, I uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about um, kind of understanding the world of teenagers. And I know one of the big things that I get asked by parents all the time is, you know, our culture is changing like crazy. The public school system has changed like crazy. Social media is is all over the place. And one of the big questions I get is just parents just trying to understand um, the world that their teenager lives in now, you know, I mean, it's different from even just me. And I wasn't even, I was in high school, not that long ago. Um, so Kevin help us, um, help us today kind of understand our teenagers world. What are some things that the Bible teaches about that?
0: Well, yeah, let me talk through the, just the context of, of basically a teenager's life. And I think some things we kind of get naturally, I think you just mentioned like a whole list of them. There's you have social media that certainly did not exist uh, when I was a teenager, but now that's a long time ago. But so, no social media. Uh, the school systems have changed some in all those years. So, those are those outward pressures. Uh, let me focus on a couple of inward pressures in a home. Totally. Just to try to understand our teenagers' world. I think one of them that maybe one of the main ones that we often uh, miss completely is the fact that you have to think about the parent, right? So in my instance, uh, right, I'm a younger parent for some, for children in their twenties, uh, but I have a 10 year old that's in the process of coming along too. And so as, so right now I have a 16, 18 and 21 year old. Uh, those are the top three. And then I have this 10 year old. So for the 21 year old, when he was doing stuff, uh, and when he was going through high school, uh, it was fun. Uh, it was exciting. I had probably more time. I had younger children. I was spending time with them. Uh, my life involved a lot of different people that had children that were similar ages. But as my children get older, my responsibilities change, which is true for the typical parent, right? So they begin to go get higher positions and more responsibility in their businesses. Uh, and they get older, and as they get older, all their friends get older, and all their friends begin doing other things, right, and so when you think about the age of a parent, so when my son turns 18, I'm going to be 58, and so when you start looking at age, that's much different than when I was in my mid-40s for my first son, right, and so that begins to put pressure on the parents or can provide an opportunity for pressure position again. So at one point you're one level in the company as your children get older, typically you pass on, you get uh, higher and higher uh, positions and authority. So that means you have more authority, you have uh, more prestige, uh, sometimes more money with more money, your lifestyle changes. And so, things uh, get more complicated as you have more events and you go to eat in more expensive places and and sometimes if you're doing that with friends and they're the parents friends uh, a teenager may not be as welcome uh, as what it used to be when all the kids just hung around with each other and so you had kids hanging out with kids and parents could talk with each other well now you don't sit at McDonald's and let them play in the playland now everything looks different and it looks more expensive and possibly the child uh, with purple hair isn't what you're wanting to share with all of your other friends that are at whatever this certain level is. So then some of them have had kids, maybe just one or two, they don't have four spread out over 10 years like we do, or they started earlier than what we did, or they were married earlier than what we were. And so now as those kids, as those families become empty nesters, now they're beginning to jet all over the world. And so they're doing, they're doing cruises. They're doing great vacations in Alaska and Hawaii and all these things. And so then you have a parent who may want to do all those things as well. But those aren't options because I'm still trying, I'm still have a child. I've got a parent. I still have somebody that I need to be there for events. They still have to get up at eight o'clock or have to be at school by 745 or eight every morning. And so what I'm suggesting is the thing that I often think we forget. And, and sometimes we say, well, you know, those teenagers, they rebel. I would suggest to you that some of what provides the, the kindling for rebellion is the fact that the parents have their own idols in the midst of a teenager's lives. Mm. right? So as that teenager and our teenagers grow and get older, the parent is ready to do other things. The Mm. parent kind of finished. The parent is is wanting to hang out with friends. The parent may want them to look a certain way and the kid's not cooperating. The parent may want to go and do certain activities that they can't do with the teenager. And so it can leave the parent uh, with a bit of an idolatry problem as much as the children, right? A parent may desire comfort. And the children aren't giving them comfort. A parent may desire respect, right? So everybody at work calls me, sir. And when I say jump, they determine how far they need to jump. And when I go home, my kid won't even talk to me. He just, I just get a grunt or I just get a look or they just go on and they don't do anything at all. It's as if I'm not talking, ask them to do three things today. And they don't do any of those three things that doesn't happen at work. And if it happened at work, I'd fire somebody, uh, they wouldn't work there long, right? And so there's this desire for respect and the parent the parent doesn't receive it. Maybe it's appreciation that they want. They want a child who says, man, we appreciate you. You're a great parent. But the teenager's not on board with that. And again, in all these other permanent <laughs> areas of life, they get uh, appreciated, but not when it comes to being at home and with their own child or children as they try to work. Yeah. Uh, again, could be idolatry of success, uh, control, independence, right? We could make a long list of possible idols that produces, and I use the word kindling, right? It produces the environment that with just a small spark, you could have rebellion. Mm. And and a parent is looking at it from his or her perspective saying, look at those kids. And the reality is you forget the environment the kid is in as well. So that would be one that I would say is you have to consider the parent. The parent's age, lifestyle, all of those elements are part of your child's world. Mm. And as the parent changes, that puts different pressure on the parent, or pardon me, on the teenager as they go.
1: Right. What would you say, um, what are, What would be some ways for a parent to, to kind of be introspective and try and figure out if they do have some idols like that right because those don't right those don't normally come up in a in a church setting or in a bible study setting like you know does that make sense do you idol comfort like that's not often asked (laughs) you know so good question how would you yeah does that make sense
0: yeah so i would say one way to be one way to check it maybe a couple questions one would be in what areas do i find myself most frustrated right? I think that's one. I'm going to throw three questions out, then I'll give the reasons for them. In what areas am I most in most patient? And where do I wish my life were different?
2: Mm.
0: Right? So I think if you put those three questions together, you're going to start to say, you know what? It seems like I get so frustrated when all my friends are saying, or when I get on social media and I see that my friends are in New York for the weekend again. Mm. And here I am and I've got to run my child over because he's in the practice for some kind of play, or my wife expects me to do this with my child this weekend when all my buddies are going hunting or going uh, somewhere else for a couple of days, right? So you start looking at those questions and you say, does that bring me frustration? Do I find that I'm impatient, right? Do I wish my life were different? That discontentment level could be a flag that i am living outside of the sense that this is my responsibility until mm. this child gets to a certain age this is my primary responsibility and i need to get comfortable uh doing this role and not wishing for the next one
1: right mm, cuz they'll good. pick up
0: they'll pick up if you want to be at the next one
1: right totally
0: um So that's the first big element. I would say in your child's world, most parents miss completely that they are part of the child's pressure Mm -hmm. and a big part, right? So a parent could be, let's be honest, sometimes parents can be jerks and and it's hard to be a fun-loving, growing, immature, seeking maturity teenager just because the parent's hard to live around or be with or any number of things. And so I think the parent is part of it. We can't just look at a rebellious child mm. or look at a child that looks like they're going to be rebellious and say, "Oh, look, this is all you." Mm. No, I think a lot of times it includes the parent. Here's the second thing. I think consider the teenager with the parent has these idols that are potential and now you they are next to the teenager's idols. And there's no question we could say I've just I jotted down about nine different things here I think could be an idol for an average teenager. But if we compare those same categories again, age, there's a far different age. Right. So you're in the middle of puberty. You've got all these other things going. And so that's a lot different than 40s and 50s as someone's uh, as the parent position. Right. They have no position. They, <coughs> Their main goal in life is really just to live a self-fulfilling life. Right. Most teenagers. Right. They're just interested in self. And it surprises me at times how uh, self-centered a teenager could, can possibly be. Not all of them, but certainly some of them. Uh, if you think about their lifestyle and their friends. Right. Those are those are vastly different universes. And you're trying to coalesce them into one family so that if your child comes home and says, Hey, I'd like to have a rave this Friday night after the football game. Well, the football game goes till nine 45 or nine 30, depending on how many flags are called. <laughs> and then you're going to get out to the house. And so if, if everything goes great, you'll be home at 10 ish. And so if he says, okay, well, I'll invite a few friends over at 10 or around 10. All right, so now what do we have going? We've got friends showing up. Uh, Let's say it's Christian House, right? So we're not having alcohol and drugs and all that stuff, but we have friends. And reality is if you go to a high school and you invite one or two or three friends and say, hey, we're just going to do a small rave or a small something, uh, well, you might have 25 show up, right? So they just keep piling in, especially if (laughs) you're in the sophomore, junior level. Right. Uh, And some kids are driving. Parents are dropping off kids saying, hey, how many hours?
2: Right.
0: You're thinking as a parent, oh, heavens, how can (laughs) how can I say I'm ready for bed right now? But I've got a basement full of teenagers and they have loud music and they're doing their own thing. (laughs) And right. And within a few minutes, you're like, man, these two worlds are colliding. Yeah. But, but in the process you want that child. If right you want that child in your world. Yeah. If they're going to do a rave, I'd rather be at my house than at somebody else's house. Totally. Right? I'd I'd rather be in the middle of it. And so you now you're thinking, okay, so I'm going to serve what am I going to serve? Drinks or some kind of snacks or am I going to have popcorn available? I mean, let's be honest, as a parent you're saying, what is the food of choice for a rave? I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know what that is.
1: <laughs> you have a lot of raves in Missouri? <laughs> uh, I'm just
0: I'm just saying I I speak of experience, my friend. Uh, sweet.
1: Like, so, <laughs> See, we're very Christian over here, so we just call them hangouts, all right? We okay. just call them or <laughs> after or an after party. <laughs> you
0: can call it whatever you want. I'm just saying that. Uh, We've got kids and they are vibing, right? So as (laughs) they vibe.
1: (laughs) I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of you. Um,
0: Oh, my! did I tell you I have three teenagers?
1: Yes. Good um, job using the lingo.
0: (laughs) So as they vibe, the worlds collide, right? There is a sense in which you have a parent that has their world. You have a child with their world. And let's say all is equal. We're not talking about bad kids and we're not talking about bad things. So even me using the word rave and vibing it, right? I'm not saying that they're out on the edge, right? But the reality is for a parent, that's so much different, right? It's a new world. Your bones are aching. Your head may be aching. You're, you're tired of hearing the bass uh, in the music. And so those things just create. Uh, difficulties again it's part of that kindling and yeah. so for so for a teenager uh, idols could include anything like material possessions right they're beginning to want more they've always wanted more but those were like 20 dollars items at walmart on the shelf and they usually dealt with legos or they were 40 or 50 dollars maybe but right so those types of things well now that the possessions have changed right there so they're bigger ticket items uh Maybe relates to clothes more or various kinds of clothes. Thankfully, my 16-year-old loves to go to Goodwill to shop. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: he a good day in Goodwill and he is happy. That is very helpful on the material possession.
2: <laughs> uh,
0: relationships, right? They're looking for approval, acceptance. They're trying to, they're trying to develop friendships without a foundation for good friendships. Right. so so they're in a world that with shifting cultures and everything else and shifting values uh, with tolerance and and just differing worldviews they're but they're still wanting acceptance they still want to have those deep friendships when unless they're in a very specific environment it's going to be hard to get those kinds of people so people are going to uh, sin against them and they're going to tell secrets that they're not supposed to tell or even if they're not secrets they're going to gossip, share information. They're going to criticize judgmentalism, right? There's all kinds of those things going on. So there's acceptance as an idol. I think pleasure can be an idol, right? They don't want, this is so boring, right? I don't want to be here, man, how long do we have to do this? Thankfully, I've not had that with my kids, but right, that could drive a parent nuts when it's the idol of pleasure, or it could be the opposite idol of comfort and laziness, right? So you ask a teenager, what do you want in your day? And their day is, uh, I want nothing, right? I don't want to work outside. I don't want to work inside. I want to lay on my bed, listen to music, watch some TV, typically YouTube or TikTok or whatever. But their goal is to just enjoy comfort. They're lazy. Uh, maybe they're living for control. They're tired of their parent and school teachers and principals and youth pastors and everybody else telling them what they're going to do. And so they want to uh, start getting more control of their own lives. Uh, of course, they have raging hormones. So especially if they have any access to pornography, So, or it really doesn't have to be pornography, it can just be movies. Uh, but for sure on movies, you see sexual satisfaction. And so now with raging hormones, and now they're beginning to wake up, uh, especially the the males, and they are, uh, right, so there's th- things are beginning to surprise them. They're starting to have erections when they used to not have them, and they don't know when or where, and a girl maybe brushes up against them, and their body starts to react, and they're not even sure all of those reactions, right, and so sexual satisfaction, if we're not careful, can become a pretty big idol or lust for them. Yeah Uh, and then just selfishness in terms of I'd rather please myself than go serve somebody else. And then I just want to trust myself and not trust God. Those would be the big nine I think of the idols that that teenagers are going to be that are going to be part of their world. Right. Mm -hmm. So we've got these nine idols that are in the teenagers world and a lot of teenagers and that's where they sit and when you are like we are right now having a conversation we can look at that and say yeah i think that pretty much captures the teenager sure well then you say here's the parent and oh well i think that maybe captures the teen parent but now you want those two worlds to sit next to each other in the same home under the same roof right and that's the that's where we begin to see rebellion right like that's it. where we begin to see the, the brush because those two worlds don't connect easily. Mm. Um, and so it's going to take a wise parent to work through those uh, in a way that is helpful to the teenager, but people don't lose their sanity uh, <laughs> along the way. Right. So, so yeah, I would say those are two of the parts, two of the uh, issues I think that would be understand important part of me to understand the world of the teenager. Let me give you a third one. There are three obstacles, I believe, to just life as a teenager. Now, I, I like to say them this way. The first one is just simply, God isn't playing my game. Right? But when they were a kid, I don't think they thought about it. And we're talking now about a, maybe a teenager who's in the church. Yeah. But now that they're now that they are getting a little bit older, these things become much bigger issues. So stuff mm. like size. Mm. Right? Most kids, I was just with a kid this last weekend. I was down in Texas teaching, and and the guy who invited me down is just a dear friend of mine at a counseling conference. And I've gotten to know him over the years. And he says, Hey, my family loves to hang out with you. Would you mind going to breakfast with us? Sure. So I'm there. And I'm talking to one of his children, and and his child is a seventh grader and he loves sports. He loves football. Well, I coach football. So we get to talking about it. And the first thing I notice is that he's probably the size of a 10-year-old. Right. Mm. So he has not started growing yet. Right. So it's he may be the tallest guy on the team by the time he's a senior, but as a seventh grader, he's not. Okay, so if he has a dream of being a quarterback. If he has a dream, in fact, he said, oh, my favorite position is running back. Hmm. Yeah, sorry.
1: <laughs> right?
0: Your size isn't going to work. Good luck. Uh, yes. I'm a coach. I know. I see you, and there's nothing in my brain that says running back. It says safety. It says wide receiver. It says corner. Uh, maybe an outside linebacker, maybe, but that would be a stretch. right? so you begin to. That's not stuff that teenager can control. He may be the most passionate kid on that football team and Mm. may understand the role of quarterback better than any three players put together. But his size won't work. Mm. That's just God isn't playing my game. Some kids are, I call them big boned. I don't know what the real word is, but right. Some kids are bigger than other kids and no matter if they could be on a diet the rest of their life and they'll never be petite because they're simply not petite.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they may look at their body and just say, this is unfair. I look like this and look what she looks like or look what mm. he looks like. Right. Um, so their size, their shape, personality, right? How many kids would would at some point in this journey say, you know what? If I could trade personalities, I'd trade my personality for that person. Totally. It, it, That's a God thing. It's a hardwired thing. You don't pick your personality. Some people are loud. Some people are quiet. Those are elements that you would just say they're part of creation. And a teenager would say, God's not playing my game. And that, again, it helps produce this kindling. Uh, And even I would say uh, the family that you were born into. Right. God right. was the yeah. one responsible for that. And so you're looking yeah. around and saying, oh, well, well, God's not played my game here either. Look what they have. Look mm. at their pool. Look at their everything. Right. Go back to those idols, the possessions or whatever, uh, particular kinds of freedom and control. But then I live in this family and it looks totally different. And so you start looking at that stuff and say, oh, gee whiz, God yeah. has not done me right.
1: Yeah, um, I see what it, you're saying.
0: Second statement I would mention is just my family is so not perfect, <laughs> right? I just I kid around and tell people, right? You go from hero to zero at mm. some point in these years. Uh, for for a lot of teenagers, not for every teenager, but you know, Dad wears clothes that uh, just are embarrassing. <laughs> but, uh, he what kind of vehicle does he drive? I mean, it's they're just awkward everywhere. They kids are with kids and here come mom and dad. And it's like, oh, gee whiz. Yes, they're mine. I'll <laughs> <right>? <laughs> they're they're mine. Uh Right. So, mom, why, mom, why, why, why do you act like that? Uh, brothers and sisters, you know, where and then grandparents, of course, but where they used to see people that they loved and appreciated and desired close interaction with them. Yeah just desired to be with them all the time. Now they begin to see these glaring inconsistencies. Mm. Why will dad and mom say this, but then they do this. Mm. Why will this happen? And then this right here happens. And so the family can become again, part of that sense of uh, an obstacle to having their best life now right or it just creates difficulties for them because of the stuff they're beginning to see uh the third component would be that the world around me is just simply hard and dangerous
2: Mm. right
0: so not only is my family not what i thought they were Mm -hmm. which would what that's horizontal second great commandment Mm. god is not playing my game Mm. first great commandment Then you say, well, what are the pressures all around me? Well, my world is simply hard and dangerous, right? I can't go online and talk to somebody. I don't even know who it is necessarily that I'm talking to, especially if it's somebody I've met online. Uh, People are aggressive. They're competitive. They're abusive, right? I remember, this was too much too early for you, Evan, but I remember the days when literally in fifth grade, the total amount of fifth graders I knew were the ones sitting in the classroom with me. Mm. That's the best that I knew, the worst that I knew. They were all there. And so when you say, so how do you compare? Okay. I can see there's 14 boys in here and 12 girls. And, and so I might be the smartest or I might be the whatever. Uh, But that's a small comparison. Well, now this world is much bigger Mm. and much greater and you have 17-year-olds being tried for murder. You have, uh, you have all kinds of people being abused online, right? There's plenty of ways uh, to demonstrate that the world is just simply hard and dangerous. It's a seductive environment. It's a fallen world. Uh, it doesn't work the way that it should, and teenagers begin to see that, and they can become very discouraged. I remember talking to a teenager recently that just simply said, I can do my best, but he has a particular passion in this one field. And he said, I can do my best and try my hardest. And the hope of getting far in that field will be just a fluke because so few people get to the top of this field Mm. that you have to be in the right place at the right time. And then you start adding those other elements together and maybe god hadn't played their game perfectly or maybe in the, they're in the wrong family and the world just becomes very hard mm-hmm. and it's hard to see even positivity in it uh moving forward
1: yeah so when you say you know god hasn't played my game um or is that kind of is that kind of another way of saying like i don't really like the the hand that i've been dealt
0: <laughs> yeah it is yeah, yeah it's another way of saying that yep
1: yeah uh, the it, uh yeah I, you know, I was just talking to a, to a teen today and, um, they just do not understand why I'm so glad you brought up the family aspect. You know, they, they look at all these other, other families and then they look at theirs and they go, why did I have to be in this one? That's so, um, just super controlling, Mm. super hard to deal with. You know, I talked to all these other, you know, moms and dads and, you know, they let their kids do this and they let their kids do that. And, um, and it's, I mean, and then that added on with everything else you're talking about. And it's no wonder that kids are just so, um, I I don't know, lack of better terms, but they're just, they're just, every teen I talk to is just stressed beyond measure.
0: Yeah. They're exasperated. (laughs) Yeah. They're they're overwhelmed.
1: They're, They're so burnt out all the time.
0: Yes. Yeah. I don't disagree. And it is, I see, again, I have three teenagers. I see it, I don't always see it in their immediate friends, but I for sure see it in their friend groups where we have good kids uh, who have been uh, in good churches and in good homes and they're on antidepressants Yeah. or they're on anti-anxiety or some kind of psychotropic medication. And it's just simply because the world they're in is hard and dangerous and they don't know how to piece it all together. Yeah. Um, And so I think when you say, how do I understand the world of my teenager? Those are three things that a parent has to reconcile in in his or her mind. I can't miss my role in this because I have a world that's invisible to me. I have Mm -hmm. idols that are invisible to me. Yes. But they're not invisible to my kids. And it's part of the pressure that my kids have to live under and in. Plus, my teenagers have their own set of those same things that in my brain seem crystal clear, and I can point them out. And I'll tell you the 22 or 25 ways my teenager needs to grow. But the teenager doesn't see those things. And then you have just the realities of life, these obstacles that are under the surface that relate to first second great commandment and then the world we live in, the fact that it's a fallen world. You put all those things together and you say, well, no wonder their kids are like this. Right? No wonder uh life is difficult. Uh and I think that's why uh it's important then for the counselor, I think there's uh, not counselor, pardon me. I think for the parent, there's about four major issues in my mind uh, that we have to teach and teach often to help try to maneuver through these um, major obstacles in their world.
1: Yeah, that's um, what I was going to ask. Like what do we do now? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, here are these the first one. Here are these huge three problems. Now what?
0: <laughs> yeah. So here's the first one. I think we have to help our kids understand that God's opinion matters supremely. Hmm. Right? It matters most. And that's not something we have to say every day, although we may have to. But the challenge for parents is what? We're going to have to live it. Right. Proverbs 1, 7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord is what I'm going to say. That's God's opinion matters supremely. The Bible is our authority. What God said is important. Right. Not weird and overbearing. Right. Not that you have to sit them down even and have daily devotions with them every day. I'm not talking about that level. What I'm talking about is you use the natural circumstances in your day, the things that they talk about, the things that they care about, the things that you hear or see, and you might bring up at the dinner table, the questions that you ask, and you allow those natural conversations to draw you into reminding your teenager that God's opinion matters most. God's opinion matters supremely. Wonder what God thinks. Wonder what God desires in the middle of this circumstances. So I think those are all important in the way that we talk through uh, these issues is that we have to, for the foundational issue, it's number one, is we have to develop the fear of man and our children or develop the sense that God's opinion matters most. So Proverbs 1-7, of course, is the text I would think about. Uh, The second thing, I think we have to help them understand that children and teenagers need to listen to their parents and Mm -hmm. remember the wise things they say. Right, a child has to be reminded of that. It's not, it doesn't come natural to a child to want to listen to a parent and to obey. Mm. Because what that child has folly bound up in the heart of the child.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: That child has a natural desire for independence. But our children don't just simply need to hear God's opinion matters most. And again, I'm gonna go back to what we were talking about earlier. That's first great commandment. Yeah. But they need to know horizontally that what their parents say in God's plan, he's given them those parents to help them and to help provide a sense of, of wisdom that's beyond their years. Got it. Right? With the, the child has minimal wisdom. And so you need to borrow from the parents and seek to apply that adequately in their life, right? I think, I don't know of any teenager that would say, oh yeah, my mom and dad understand my world. <laughs> But you could say, but what your mom and dad are saying related to wisdom applies to your world. So how does that apply, right? If this is what the Bible teaches, sweetheart, or whatever you would call your teenager, I would have a tendency to say something like that. If this is what the Bible teaches, how does that apply here, right? Don't lecture. Ask the question, right? Give them the opportunity to wrestle through this is the way it may apply or this is the way it may not apply. If they say something like, I don't know, well, then say, okay then then listen, Uh, let's talk about this tomorrow. And between now and tomorrow, I want you to think about this question and come up with at least two or three answers for me, uh, because it's something I'm interested in. It's something I think you need to think through. Right. For the parent, then the challenge is to make that wisdom attractive. Mm. If we're telling our children, you need to listen to your parents and God's given you your parents for wisdom then as a parent it can't be all lecture wisdom it can't be uh over the top it can't be this is what i've said in the past and you've not listened right it it needs to be attractive right it, and and what's the challenge also for parents i would say in this same principle is that then the parent has to live it right? if the parent is saying and that goes for the first principle too if the parent says god's opinion matters most but then they live inconsistent with that, then don't look at a teenager and say God's opinion matters most.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right? Because if you're not living it, then you certainly can't say it. You can say it to your teenager, but they're going to see through that. right? If they don't call foul, which you may have them bluffed enough where they won't speak their mind, I promise you they're thinking it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: They see through that immediately. And as a youth pastor, you know that because they probably tell you.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Same thing for... The same thing for the children, right? If you're saying that these are this is something that's wise for you to know and you need to learn it, then we need to do our part to communicate it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Proverbs one eight uh, would be a good text for this one. Uh, here's the third foundational issue, and that is your teenager has to be careful in choosing friends. It's a critical critical issue. And again, that's second great commandment is love of neighbor stuff. Right? You have to Proverbs 1, verse 10. I know I'm just kind of all over Proverbs 1 here, but <laughs> You're really good. Yeah, they are excellent, especially in regard to the to what we're talking about. Um, I have it memorized, but I'm not trusting my memory right now. <laughs> so Proverbs one, four. Um uh, Proverbs 1.7, I should say, is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We talked about that a second ago.
2: Right.
0: Proverbs one eight, it says, my son, hear the instruction of your mother and do not forsake the law. Pardon me, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. That's what I was talking about. Children need to know what the parent knows. This third element, you have to be careful when you're choosing your friends. I think that's where verses 10 through 15. Help, my son, if sinners entice you, consent thou not. Can do mm. not I'm I'm quoting the King James. All right. I, as a teenager, my parents made me memorize this text. And so mm. that's why I just reverted back to King James. <laughs> they say, come with us, let us lie and wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who get out of the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us have all one purse. And you're saying, no, 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 no. That's the point you have to. If sinners entice you, if sinners are trying to draw you into their friend group, if they don't have a fear of God or respect of their parents, you don't want to be around those people. right? If they're not passionate for loving Jesus and walking with Jesus, and I know that's probably hard to develop in a teenager, but I think it's necessary
1: to develop. Yeah, Do you mind if I ask a question on that real quick? So one of the things that I get asked about with that is, you know, teenagers are going to, I mean, you know, they have to go to school. They're surrounded by, you know, people who might be believers and who might be unbelievers. And one of the things I get asked a lot is, where's the line of, uh, you know, kind of like evangelism in my school? Do I... You know, I you know I have a few friends on my soccer team or on my you know in my ensemble you know that that aren't believers and you know but do I do I hang out with them? Do I not hang out with them? I mean, they they don't know Jesus, but I want I want to share with them the good news. That's a question I get asked a ton. Is there what would you say to that?
0: Uh, I think there's several levels of answers. Okay. One, I think when you talk to your children, you have to talk to them about. Uh, the goal of interaction at school is always ambassadorial, okay. right? You represent Christ. And so don't just go for the popular people. Go for the people in your class that look like they have a long face. Other people are making fun of them. People that just seem to be extra quiet. Mm. Right? You'll never know the jewels. There are people in your school and in your classes that are beautiful people, but but somebody has to help uh, bring it out of them and mm-hmm. engage them. And so that's, uh, that's my initial thought is you want to in- move into that space, uh, where your child knows, as I go throughout my day, I want to represent Jesus. I want to be the kindness of Christ. Mm-hmm. I want to be, uh, sensitive toward others. I want to look for the weak person and try to help that particular person. Ah, uh, because that's just what we do. That's how we help and are helpful. So I think that's one element. Another element is that we do talk about. so there's a difference between being a a friend at the level of companion in life going the same direction versus the friend who is is an acquaintance. And with the acquaintance, I have the goal. Of helping them i would say maybe i have the goal for both is to help make the next step whatever the next step is toward christ's likeness with a lot of those school friends the next step is just going to be maybe introduce them to the gospel at mm-hmm. some point when it's an option mm. so then the third part of the answer that i was thinking of when you asked your question is so now it goes back to so where are you going to do the rave where are you going to have the party where are you mm. going to do the where are you going to do? Did you say afterglow? What did you say? Earlier?
1: After party.
0: After party. So where is yes. afterglows? That goes way back. <laughs> so where are you going to have the after party? We'll have it at your house. Why? So that all those marginal friends can come and can participate and experience some kindness.
2: Mm.
0: And then maybe the two or three or four intimate friends, maybe they spend the night or maybe they have something else that you do with them after the marginal friends leave right mm. but but there's a an opportunity to introduce people to something better and bigger um
1: i think with christ i think that's that's um what am i trying to say i like the way you put that because that was that i was that marginal kid who you know i got invited to youth group quite often um but i was I was the punk skater kid who cussed like a sailor and got into fights all the time. And, um,
0: So you weren't much different in college then.
1: <laughs> For those of you who, wow, that was great. For those of you who don't know. So Kevin <laughs> was, uh, was one of my professors at, at my undergrad and he also did my premarital counseling with my, uh, out of my league wife. And, um, so that yeah. was a good one Kevin. I'll give you I'll give you that one. You got Kevin 1, Evan 0. That was very wow. There a lot of people who are listening to this who know me are are probably still laughing their head off. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh yeah, but they my friends in high school, uh they would invite, you know, their parents or them would in, if there was ever a, a social gathering or a function, they'd always invite me to their house, you know. And that's what really shocked me was when I would go and see gospel-centered parents because mm. my parents were just all over the place. And so it would be like, what, this is real <laughs> mm. this, you know? And so giving those marginal kids the opportunity to see maybe you as a parent actually treat them like Jesus would is, it might bro, it might blow them away. Like it did for me. Right. I mean, that's so just my testimony.
0: Right. So a, a backyard, uh, barbecue or totally. uh, a pool party or a, um bonfire right something that gets people out get them together uh not too long ago we had all kinds of kids over and they everybody brought a pumpkin and we had all the had tools there and they all carved pumpkins for the night right it, those kinds mm-hmm. of things right uh that they think are fun but it allows the people that are on the edge uh, to hopefully see something different and if nothing else just experience love of christ through love
1: of parents yeah uh, Totally.
0: Well, I know we don't have long, but let me give you number four in terms no, you're of the good. four big issues. Uh, and so number one is God opinion matters most. Number two is that children need to listen to their parents. Number three is teens need to be very careful in choosing their friends. Number four
2: mm-hmm.
0: is make sure that your teen understands the difference between being a wise and foolish son
2: mm.
0: or a daughter, right? The way that both parents and teens handle conflict identifies often who is the wise and the who is foolish it may be apparent in some instances mm. but right, but there is a sense in which we want to help them walk through life with wisdom right we want to so we want to go through the proverbs and we want to pull out key characteristics of what does it mean to be wise what does it mean to be a fool and as we pull those characteristics out that will give us the opportunity to say so. Now, are we living this way? Are we developing this, uh, these characteristics even uh, in our own lives? And so I think that's another of those four key foundational issues that help us maneuver through. As I said a minute ago, these these this three levels of obstacles, or what I, again? I've used the word kindling, right? In a in the life of a teenager and a parent that can really create some difficulties uh, of the life of the parent, the life of the teen and the, just the general obstacles
1: of life. Yeah, this is good stuff. Um, how do you, I kind of want to rewind a little bit. What do you, what are some ways that we make the gospel attractive? You, you said that word hmm. earlier, you know, how do we, you know, instead of lecturing or instead of kind of like making it almost too special, like, we're going to sit down now <laughs> and we're going to have this intense Bible study every day. We're going to do, I mean, I get what you're saying too, but so how do, how do parents who may not know how to do that? Maybe their their real. Their only go-to is lecturing. I mean, how do so, we no, make think, this attractive?
0: Yeah, great question. I think there are so many ways that we could talk through that. Uh, initially, I would say the way we do that is in just daily living. Let me give you a quick story. Uh, in the mornings when i would drive my oldest son to school he had to be there at a certain time we would pull out of the garage and our garage faces due south and we would pull out of the garage and our th- so the east is going to be to our left so we would pull out and we would i would look left and especially this time of year when we'd be taking him to school when the sun drops into that southern hemisphere the sun rises are just absolutely gorgeous almost every morning unless there's cloud cover it is beautiful here in the ozark mountains and so uh whoa as we look at mountains that, it's, yeah it's not like colorado i hear you <laughs> so as we look at that it's gorgeous and so i would often say to him i would say do you hear that and as he grew up he understood what i was asking and his question that what i'm asking is Do you hear the heavens declare the glory of God, Mm. right? Look at that gorgeous sunrise. So instead of just simply saying, oh man, that is a gorgeous sunrise.
2: Mm.
0: What I'm saying is maybe I'll say it like this. Man, hasn't God just outdone himself today? This is beautiful. What am I doing? I'm taking an event that I see uh, I should put down here and I'm taking the glory of God. And I'm trying to connect those two things in the life of my son. So that as he lives and as we live together, we're constantly taking these major events and we're bringing the glory of God back down so that they get reconnected to those places. He was uh, one afternoon, he stayed after school to play football. And so he just turned 16. He had his uh, permit. Maybe he was still 15. And so when I pull up to get him, I scooted over and in the car. I was already out in the parking lot and he came out and so he jumped in the driver's seat. And so I'm doing my own thing, not paying attention at all, like a good parent with their son driving. And so he starts to pull off and he slams a brake on. Well, this football field, the, uh, uh, just to keep the same analogy, if this was east. So this football field, the parking lot is on a hill. Okay. Uh, so the high school's here, the football field's down here, the parking lot's here and it's just about the time of night where the sun is beginning to set.
1: Oh, I see. So I had not
0: okay. paid attention. He slams his brake on and that's I'm jumping like what's happening? Are you getting ready to hit somebody or what? And he says, "Dad, do you see it?" Right? It still brings me to tears when oh, I That's great. Because he had caught it. Right? Yeah. And that's the goal. Yes, I do see it. And and he had no idea what he was doing for me. Because in that moment, I understand when he sees a sunset, he is thinking something bigger Mm. than a sunset,
2: Mm.
0: right? And I think that's an example of thousands, you could say, how do we bring these moments together so that wisdom can look attractional, Mm. right? So that somehow those things are connected and they're connected in a way that our children can walk away and actually learn and and be a good observer and to think carefully
1: that's cool that's great thank well i could keep um i don't know how long we've been going <laughs> i don't have a time or anything but um but uh man i'll definitely have to have you back on i am i'm just full of questions and this is good even for me just as a youth pastor to think through you know some things that i can be sharing with teenagers you know and um yeah. And just, you know, do you hear I'm never going to I'm never going to forget that. I'm so glad you shared that story. Do you hear that? I'm going to start saying that to to, uh, to Ezra now, you know, yeah, because
0: now's the time of age to help them. Right. Yeah. Psalm 19 one says the heavens declare the glory of God. And it says there between there and verse six, it says, and it's in every language. Mm. So we want our kids to make sure they're hearing the language
1: That's uh, cool, and help them even in their hearts. That's cool. Well, hey, before we close, um, is there any, any last um, any last remarks you want to make or, or to encourage parents that are listening?
0: No, other than the fact that I would love to pray for them.
1: Oh, okay, uh, let's do if it. If
0: you don't mind, that would be great.
1: That would be great. All
0: right. Lord, we come before you as parents. I am one. And we, we know we desperately need your wisdom. We need your help. If this is up to us, we'll wreck our kids. We need the Spirit and your Word to to show us the way. Uh, We need the Word with the Spirit's help to work in their hearts. Lord, we know the world is after our kids. Though Satan would love nothing more than to sift our kids and to hurt them. Their friends, not intentionally, but they do present many times danger just because of their worldview and and what they're living for and how they're living that way. And so, Lord, we just humbly beg that you would help us and we can depend on you. We thank you that you never leave us or forsake us and that we can have courage because you're here, and that we can have wisdom because you provide it. Thank you for the gospel. Lord, even as as Evan mentioned, may we always think of the gospel and the grace that you've given to us as we engage those that Um, we are around and as we're trying to interact with Uh, may we as we talk to our children remember the necessity of the gospel in their lives as much as it is in ours lord on those places where we have invisible idols i pray you give us insight help us to be able to look through and see our frustrations and those places that need to change i pray that you would help us understand our children's world as well And then those places where they're struggling with God's sovereignty and and the way you've made them and the way that things have turned out and they struggle with people uh, and they struggle with the world. And those tough obstacles, Lord, we pray that you would both grant our children wisdom, that you would grant them special patience, but also that we would be the voice, your voice, uh, to help them manage these pressures. Lord, we do know that kids are overwhelmed and and anxious, and they have all kinds of pressures. And we ask that you would grant them special mercy even today. Lord, you love our kids more than we do, and we ask that you would help us trust you with their hearts, but in the process, we pray that you would please
1: draw our children to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Kevin? Thanks so much, man. We'll catch you later. Yeah, my pleasure. God bless you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Teens Need Grace. If you would like the show notes, ways to connect with us, or any of the resources Pastor Evan mentioned, please visit us online at Podcast. We're trying to get the word out about this podcast. You can help us out by telling your friends, sharing this episode on social media, and leaving our review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.
2: Thanks.